Welcome to Future Perfect, the Emerging Writers' Festival podcast. I'm Izzy Roberts-Orr, the Artistic Director. A reminder that the program for the Digital Writers' Festival is now up online. Our online first festival is accessible anywhere, anytime, by anyone with an internet connection, from the 24th of October until the 3rd of November at digitalwritersfestival.com. Our guest host for this episode is the multi-talented Arij Noor, co-founder of Still Nomad's African Artist Collective. Arij is joined by Kate Ten Buren of This Mob Aboriginal Artist Collective and Alec Reed of New Wayfinders Pacifica Artist Collective. Together, they discussed community, creativity and collective strength. Whenever you're ready, Alex. Just gulping in the background. Uh, So, Kate, what do you do and why? Uh, I run a collective for First Nations artists called This Mob. Um, And that began last year, I guess, as a sort of outcome of my um, dissatisfaction with all the other spaces that I've been in, like university spaces of making art there. Um, and yeah, just felt the need to have a good group of people around me making work that I could relate to and that they could speak to me about my work in a way that we all understood each other. Um, yeah, so I guess just came from the need to have a space like that. Yeah. You also do way more stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, curating exhibitions and like... Your J-O-B, which is... Yeah, I go to kindergartens and I teach little babies about Aboriginal people and what we do and, you know, that's pretty cute. That's a hard gig. It sounds um, like a hard gig. But it, it has its moments and I really enjoy it. So that's pretty cool. And I get to work, like, for my auntie and be around Aboriginal people all the time. And that is so nice. Like, that is, I feel so lucky to work at an Aboriginal workplace, like, as my job. That's pretty amazing, yeah. It sounds amazing. Uh, um, my favourite part of that job of yours is the puppets, when you yeah. tell me about having Stop. puppets. I, just... I, I do a puppet show. I take a little suitcase around with me full of um, pop- puppets and possum fur and ochre and gum leaves, and I just trek across <laughs> Victoria on the train with my suitcase full of goodies. Yeah. Sounds like a good gig. Yes. Alec. Hey. Hi. Hey. <laughs> uh, what do you do and why? Um, so I run a Pacifica Artist Collective um, or an Oceanic one. And I also uh, am a content lead for a refugee advocacy called Road to Refuge. And I work uh, in hospitality at Spud Bar to <laughs> pay my rent because, you know, artist life. What yeah. what is a contact lead? Is that what you said? Uh, content lead. Oh. Um, so just coming up with uh, creative ideas for the communications right. team. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ways to engage everyday Australians. I put in quotation marks. So um, mm-hmm. majority white Australia to humanise people of a refugee or um, asylum seeking background. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I think it's. I mean, it's a job, and it's mm. a job that I feel like in living in what is, in inverted commas, a liberal democracy, um, <laughs> is 
necessary because people do have votes and people mm. do impact people's lives. Yep. So ensuring that mm. others are considered human to others mm. is is a job that kind of has to be done. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's horrible when you yeah. are members of those communities, mm. but it yeah. is also a job that, mm. that does need to be done. Mm. So shout out to you, Alec, for going to work every day and getting it done. Um, this is really mm. funny because um, interviewing two friends is always really fun because I know a lot about their lives uh-huh. um, so you're beforehand. Questions, you yeah, already know I'm the probing. To, yeah. yeah, and that's mm. great. Mm-hmm. Today, the concept that we're looking at is this idea of how digital communities impact feelings of connectedness and the importance of digital communities, but also the importance of physical communities in a digital age. Mm. Um, Mm. And we have a lot to say about that in the work (laughs) that we do. So I think we should just get stuck right into it. Mm. How do you think digital communities impact feelings of connectedness through internet, blogs, finding folks across the pond or even like in the same state or city as you, how does that impact how you feel about yourself and how you feel about community broadly? Mm. I mean, if I think back to how we met, Ari, uh, I got a message on this mob Instagram like two days after I started the page and it was to you and Samira being like, who are you and when can we meet? Um, so, I mean, that's a pretty great example of just how instantaneously like relationships can s- come up from being connected online. Because who knows, maybe we, would, we wouldn't have met if we didn't have those platforms to connect on. Yeah. And I think that for people, I mean, I'm based in Melbourne and it's real easy for me to get into the city and go to all these events that are happening. You know, I'm able-bodied and I can do that Um, but for people who are in different circumstances and who live in different places and you know aren't able to go to social events and yeah it's empowering to see what other people are doing and I mean for me specifically like a big group of First Nations people from lots of different countries um, and connect with them online and see what they're doing it's so nice and it's just so nice to feel that support and that love from other people as well so yeah, it's beautiful. I am big into digitizing the revolution. I think, yeah, as Kate was touching on before, like being able to share the perspectives of um, Indigenous and Black identities like worldwide and being able to inform ourselves on the different contexts as well as um, the different movements and how to unify and liberate and, you know, um, yeah how to unify and liberate and how to um, draw confidence from our own knowledge as well as inform others. Yeah, I'm all for it big time. Yeah, it's big. It is big. I find that I think my first introduction to like black radical thought and, you know, amazing people such as Bell Hooks and, you know, Audre Lorde and Alice Walker and, you know, black women from the States who were really staunch in their commitment to feminism and all of those concepts became real to me when I joined Twitter and like I've lived in Melbourne for a long time and I've always had lots of African friends or East African friends but those concepts were not I didn't I I don't know if it's whether I felt close I didn't feel close enough to the community or whether I needed to be able to get 
more out of conversations that I was having with mm. some people in my community. And mm-hmm. so online when I saw all these people who were sending links to books and like mm. online PDFs yeah. of, yeah. you know, Bell Hooks books and things yeah. like that and then sitting there and reading that, yeah. mm. it was such a service that I don't know – I don't think they know they provided for me and Mm. that kind of also made me feel real enough and like represented enough to extend that here more. Mm. And yeah, yeah. and even with visibility, what you said, Alec, like black people in the world are hyper visible in every way. Like black cultures are hyper visible and Mm -hmm. highly commodified. And for us to have space to be part of that in social media or in digital ways through the internet and through other through other art forms I think is really strong and mm-hmm. like is changing a lot of the way we see ourselves in each other totally yeah mm. yeah to put up your own stuff of yourself and your friends that's like so powerful just in that small I mean it seems small but yeah you know then why is physical community important because us three have also created space for our respective communities to be together physically as well. Yeah. I think for me it's like ancestral. Like that's how people, that's how you know each other is through being with each other and sharing your knowledge and your thoughts and emotions and all of that one-on-one or with other groups. And, yeah, I think just to see the conversations that come out of creating those spaces or like the actions that happen, like um, whether it's sharing knowledge on how to make something, how to cook something, a song, a book, something like that. Like, you know, this is how we share knowledge. I mean, and of course we do that online too, but I don't know when I see all of our communities like at our, what is our thing called? Collect and connect? Connecting. Yeah, yeah. Um, at Black Dot Gallery, like for a lot of people, that was the first time that they'd been in a room that was like pretty much all black Mm. and connecting with other people in a really kind of easy, organic way that was like, hey, we're all in this room together. Like, Mm. let's hang. God, and the dancing too. Like, (laughs) when can you do that online? Like, (laughs) you can take videos, that's fun. But like, when it comes together, there's so much mana spirits yeah Yeah. it's real life bonds i think the thing that i value so much from like being in person is like you can convey tone so much easier like the the problem with like being online is that it's so hard so much harder to interpret them and derive meaning from just writing and also there's a certain there's a feeling of vulnerability when you're in person you actually see the emotions like yeah and the tone all of that i think it's um a crucial part of balancing that out. Yeah. yeah. I've learned in like recent times, I'd say in the last maybe 12 months, that we can't do everything online. And like, mm. of course, when we started Still Nomads, um, it was very much physical space and being together. But on the inside, I really like to just hang out with a couple of people or just be alone or together. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> and that's just, that's just me as a person. But I learned through conflict that mm. is how I learnt that um, you can't do everything online because mm. conflict is something that you definitely can't do or resolve in a productive way online and yeah, that's totally. why being together yeah. and being able to kind of read each other's, mm-hmm. like mm. what you said, your, mm. you know, you need to like convey tones and all of those things. Um, yeah. I, 
I want to talk a little bit about problems when it comes to online space and like I mm. love the fact that we can connect online at, at any point and be together and you know be I could share a post and send it to you on Instagram or whatever and we mm. can ha- be on this same mm-hmm. like, constant communication but I also think that sometimes we spend a bit of time looking at things that might not make us feel what? good all the time. Why do yeah. I read the comment section? What am I doing? Uh, like it's evil. Why would I waste my time with that? And I mm. yeah, I mean I'm in a group like a all Aboriginal Facebook group. Yeah. Actually, it's not all Aboriginal. Like there are non-Aboriginal people in it. I take that back. But um, you know, like there. Why do people share horrible racist shit? that is said mm-hmm. in these groups like we already know that people are saying this shouldn't these spaces be like you know just for like i mean not just for the happy things but like mm-hmm. you know when you've got a friend who always calls out racism um like always and that's great and then like people will share things to their wall about racist things that people have said like as if this person needs to be reminded that racist things are said like just because they're always calling out racism Here's a racist thing for you to look at. Yeah. Like, why do people do that? That makes no sense. Like, we yeah. need a break. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> yes, we do need a break. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, yes. Did you want to say anything uh, wh- wh- about that? What <laughs> like, was the question again? So the question, <laughs> the question Sorry, is... I got lost in the racism. No, no. <laughs> I got lost in the racism. I, I agree with you, Kate, in that, um, that, that tendency to say, okay, we're a group of black people or a group of people of colour mm. in this space and I'm going to share this really horrible thing that's been said mm. and now everyone respond to that and there can yeah. be some really like intense reactions mm. to that and it yeah. can be quite traumatic to constantly <laughs> yeah. be bombarded yeah. with that content and mm. if there's no purpose mm. then it seems to be a little bit it's just like unnecessarily violent yeah yeah, yeah. like the thing that i value when like approaching these sorts of things is like you know it's it's often teased um by like right wing whatever you have it thought provokers whatever Mm -hmm. um but like content warnings i think are totally needed and appropriate because sometimes it's valuable to share these perspectives for me personally to get an understanding maybe like i know there's no logic behind it but to really pick it apart and know not how to respond to it but how to rise above it and implicate your own positivity and your own worth is usually form like for me it's informed or like you know informed away from those ideologies um so content warnings i always value and i think you know by all means share it if that's you know your vibe if you want to sit within those problems and always feel like you're you know mulling over it which i don't feel is particularly productive for me but Mm. that's not that's me that's all i had yeah i mean also (laughs) just thinking about when you said like right wing thought provokers i always Mm. think about that um thing of social justice warriors just like Mm. typing away on their laptops acting like um you know they're you know right-wing thought provokers or whoever these people are this assumption that people who are defending their humanity or the humanity of other people are just in this kind of space where they just want to talk about social justice and rub people the wrong way and Mm. I find that I find it really hard like what you said Kate to be in Facebook groups or in groups where content about 
traumatic stuff is constantly brought Mm, up. mm. But then I also find it really empowering when I find on my feed an analysis by a friend or someone who I know has spent a lot of time thinking about it and doing Mm. the social justice warrior thing Mm. where they are sharing an article from the ABC or wherever um, and analysing what the – might not be the issue with the article itself, but whatever the content is in a really thoughtful way. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, us three, have kind of run collectives of people from our respective communities, but we also manage to find ways to collaborate as as three communities. What's the importance of having that space with just your community? Because we spoke about how good it is to have it, Mm. to be able to do it all together. But why Mm. is it important to also just have that one where it's just you and your peoples? For me, it's it's about (laughs) relativity. Like within the community, at least for the Oceanic community, there's so many similarities amongst all of us and so much that is um, relevant to us. But then you have like cross-cultural relativity, which you see amongst our communities. But to get to that sort of confidence in sharing and and having conversation with each other, we need to understand ourselves. And to have that space for me, it's reaffirming. And I can go into conversations feeling taught by my own community, having this confidence and this understanding in who I am, where I've come from, um, to be able to share that. And the whole point of me having an exclusive group for Oceanic people, um, Pacifica people, is like I use it as a way to inspire people towards their like ancestral identities and like move away from these catch-all terms of like people of colour or white or black. Like it sort of pushes people towards a monolithic like identity, whereas like I feel there's such a such a beauty in difference. And being able to recognise your own and then respect your own and then in turn do so for others is my biggest thing. There's something really nice about being around people who understand you. And although we all live very separate lives, like to come together in these physical or even online spaces and just be like, this happened to me and someone be like, that happened to me. Yeah, I think it's it's really important to empower our mob to um, make things that they want to be making and speak about things. And people get real offended when you want to have an exclusive space. <laughs> yeah. Like real offended. Yeah. Why isn't there a white space? Yeah. Why are you so exclusive? How do you navigate that though? One thing that I found really hard when we started Still Nomads was mm-hmm. like, you know, this is a space for Africans to come and do what they want to do, right? But Africa is a continent mm. that has been colonised. So there are a lot of non-black Africans who identify as being African and are on, you know, third, fourth generation. How do we distinguish that mm. while also not saying black Africans because that would be re- reductive to mm. me because it's like we should be the – using a term like black Africans is like I don't want to do that because we should be the default. It's, it's our continent, right? Mm. So mm. – I, I find it really hard to navigate ensuring that our spaces centre our communities while also being filled with our communities without mm. saying that no white people are allowed. Mm. Or mm. often white people are allowed in that space, but they need to be able to to just sit in. Take a back bench. That's yeah. it. You, need yep. a, you should sit in the back. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't really contribute in discussion time. It's not your space to do that. Mm-hmm. But how do you do that in a way that doesn't, cause stress and anxiety because Mm. it does do that 
Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty tricky. Like I've had many conversations about where I want to take this mob um, with the people who aren't from community. And the minute I say I want to create a space only for black fellas and our good friends, people are like suddenly, yeah, really upset that they aren't allowed access to that space. And I think it's basically because white people get really used to being able to access every space and every space is made for them. Yeah. My whole focus is um, I'll have community meetings where I'll meet up with Just Fam and that's only shared with just us. We have the space to divulge and talk about things that we wouldn't talk about with the public. Mm. And then when we do a big performance, then, you know, it's a call in. Mm. Um, but obviously, like you were saying before, we need to centre people of colour, black people. And it mine's a weird one because with New Wayfinders, we centre queerness as well. <laughs> so, like, being able to, like, uh, being able to work around those intersects and also create the language and not the rules but like you know drafting manifestos and making sure that we stay true to like to our values just like we say that we're queer centered pacifica people and obviously there's a call into people to come into those spaces but i like it's an offer they Mm. have the chance to learn from it and they have the chance to sit at the back for once in their lives Mm. and like i want to remind that like all throughout what we do i mean our first event like this is such a ridiculous story so our first ever event Mm. like three and a half years ago or something were we had like an open mic and so all these people came in and like we're performing like lots of africans performing there was um you know it was really great and poem poets and like it was beautiful and this white lady don't know who invited her, don't know where she came from. And this is our first ever event, right? And so we had no idea mm. how to deal with this. Mm. Got up on stage and kind of started just talking about, you know, how awesome the space was, which we were like, yeah, of course, Obviously. no shit. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, sis. Um, but then was like, I think it's really great that I've been invited to come and do this performance and I'm really like, I've got a really big following on Facebook and like I'm pretty famous as Slow like clap. a like and I just want to come and like do this performance and she just started, it was completely irrelevant to what we were doing. It completely mm. changed the tone of the event. Mm. Like a couple of people left. Mm. Like it was to that extent yeah. of like, I didn't realise that this was this kind of space. I didn't realise that anyone could just come up. But how, so if our question after that was how do we ensure that people know their place, mm. Loki, you know, mm. like, okay, come and enjoy and consume and learn, mm. you know, and you you should be lucky to, to be able to have that experience. But yeah. to then take up space in the way that she did, we... Mm. We had to learn how to change that. And what mm. we did was um, at the beginning of an event, we'd, you know, have the kind of formalities of the beginning of the event. So like an acknowledgement of country, of course. And then we talk about what Still Nomads is and why we exist. And then we talk about who's centred in that space. And, yeah. it, mm. you know, yeah. and it's only these communities that can, when we have performance elements, it is these communities that are allowed to come up, which is always, of course, First Nations, African and other people identify as black. And that's the... That's the limit. And then I think once we were a bit more explicit in that from the Mm. beginning, people started to realise and then we kind of filtered out all the white girls who really just wanted to date a black guy or like, you Uh. know, the hip hop crew, like we, they stopped coming and it's been the best ever since. Yeah, good. Yeah. I've seen people do that on panels as well. So when it comes to question time on the panel, they're like, 
people who have who can relate to this panel can speak and mm. a lot of the times these are on like blackness and all those kinds of things um so that's usually black people and if you don't have a question then don't say a statement in question time that's why you weren't invited mm. on the panel fam like <laughs> yeah. if if we really wanted to if you, you had something good to say you would be speaking they would have yeah. we would have put you on the panel <laughs> yeah. sis yeah. it's okay yeah um so on that we work with our communities who we love um but collectives are hard. It's hard to coordinate collectives <laughs> and, you know, be kind of democratic in like a mm. non-colonial sense yeah. of the word and, yep. you know, have people's input and mm-hmm. then also like breathe because we're people. And also I think there's a there's something to say about being honest about your investment in a project and I think mm. us three are really quite invested in, in what we do and members of our collectives are also invested but the, the levels are varying. So how do Trickle we? Down. Yeah. So how do we even do it? How how do we engage with being a collective? And let me know you when it? you figured it out. Because I have no idea. I was asking the question because I was hoping either of you would have an answer for me. I'm so bad at this. Yeah. Yeah. I take on way too much all the time, and I'm constantly an anxious wreck. Mm. Um, so if anyone's got any hot tips, let me know because. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't honestly think I'm good at delegating tasks. I think if I asked for more help, maybe I would receive it. Look, for me, I had the lucky opportunity to be the third group and learn from both Still Nomads <laughs> and this mob. <laughs> I've had your guidance, your approval, and also I refer to my elders in the community quite a lot. Yeah. I think they have a lot to say for, like, yeah, leading the way and teaching us where they went wrong so that I can avoid doing wrong myself. And I think that's going to be one of my focuses for new wayfinders is um, as diasporic people um, linking us up to our elders and um, learning what we can from them Mm -hmm. and then instilling that knowledge and building up the confidence for each of the members within the crew. In terms of like politics, um, I'm going to plan manifestos or one manifestos so that we can always keep in line with our values, even with things like going towards like um, applying for grants and funding or talking to philanthropists, which you have to do to stay afloat, unfortunately. Like, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, I guess you can do an evaluation of <laughs> each person and be like, hmm, is teaming up with you going to make my me anti-black? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, those are the questions. So often. Those are the yeah. Actually, I do want to talk about that. Yeah. How do we yeah. sustain this? How do we sustain these communities? Digital communities are far easier to sustain mm-hmm. because you uh, log on and then mm-hmm. you log off. And then that's oh, the until end of you the forget day. a password like me all the time. <laughs> I. Like, I'm like, okay, this mob is over. I forgot the password. I can't log back in. That's it. It's done. Samira and I only know the password to our email address. Mm -hmm. So every time we forget passwords to everything, we just create a new password and then sometimes don't tell each other. And then Samira's like, I can't log into our Twitter. I'm like, I changed the password yesterday because I forgot it. And it's just a, it's constant. But Mm. it is easier to log off when you're online. But when you're in personal space with people, Um, sustainability like actually running events that costs money Mm. Um, applying for funding also requires time that we don't have Um, and also so how I just want to talk about how you both or like your respective collectives and communities 
navigate this thing of sustainability on like a time and financial level? Mm, I think at the moment I'm just investing my time in sort of smallish projects, like not getting too crazy with it. Like trying to start up small, get people onto what we're doing with a focus on having community know what we're doing. And, you know, documenting our stuff, um, taking good documentation of the shows and all the different things that we're doing, which I always forget to do. But it's very important because then when you do go for those grants, they want to see what you've done. Um, So I've applied for two grants this year and got them both. Um, Um, You know, and that's because we had like some documentation of the stuff we had done in the past and yeah had good references as well that's a good one too at the moment i mean it's hard to plan for money that's a really hard thing to do because you don't know when it's going to come who it's going to come from um so yeah i mean the focus for longevity at this point is getting as many people as we can on board and knowing what we're doing and being involved um and yeah ideally i mean in a couple of years time we'll have like this mob headquarters where people can come and make art and talk about art and make their lunch and have a nap you know the most important Um, things in the world ever yeah so yeah i mean eventually money is gonna oh it's hard it is hard it's hard yeah i think that's a perfect answer really i mean it's so early for all of us my thing is like it i'm i'm building a village i'm building a community um that's my focus um and as long as we have the confidence to work with each other and bounce Mm. off each other and build and create bigger events off each event that has been done in the past that, you know, is, you know, kind of put the stepping stones ahead of us, then that's all I can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're super lucky, like, that so many people have walked this road before us and, like, built everything up to be what it is right now. Totally. I know that I couldn't do this without all the amazing like First Nations people, mm. especially the Aboriginal women in my life who have done this sort of thing before and who mm. have built the community up to this point and had those hard conversations with, you know, big institutions and um, all those things to get us to where we are now. Like super, super lucky to have those mentors. How lucky are we? Yeah, mm. yes. They give us, like, they, they like every time I talk to some, like an elder, they're just like a so excited by what we're doing Mm -hmm. and Mm. you know so about getting on board and helping us and like that's where I build my faith from and you know that's the references that we can lean to when it comes to grant funding and that's the people who can teach us how to do this big these big things that I haven't even touched before (laughs) and and they may not have actually worked in the arts sector and applied for Mm. grants from local government but they know how to run communities and they know how to give each person a voice and a responsibility and I just remember um Having come, I've wrote a thesis for university last hey. year. Yeah, hey. yeah, about um, community radio and Africans in community radio. And I spoke to a lot of elders in the like media, African media community, and it was like the I had never had these conversations. I'd met them before and I'd spoken to them before, but having an excuse to talk about media and what it was like back in the day and all of that, and mm. the stuff that they did 
in the 80s is a lot it's very similar to the stuff that we're doing now mm. so yeah. there was a lot of um, collaborative stuff that happened between African First Nations and Pacifica communities especially hey. in New South Wales they started yeah. a whole radio they started Radio Skid Row together and the mm. people who yeah and it's it's amazing and even they toured um peter tosh is a um reggae superstar <gasps> my dad used to listen to him all the time but that's it and it was hell? like as communities they did that and there was like um you know those big anti-apartheid protests and everyone would mm. kind of come together and do that together and then mm. there was a, a session like a thing that happened where um our communities all went to Canberra to like, I don't even remember what the protest was, but they all just got in the car from Sydney or a couple of cars mm. and they all went to Canberra together and they had like signs and they protested for like nice. two or three days together. Yeah. And so that having those conversations and that history that I didn't know of mm. makes me feel like we're on the right track or like I'm mm. on the right track and mm. I, we're doing this thing. But that's also how... I won't speak for either of your communities, but that's how things are supposed to work. Time is cyclical, you know, things, yeah. that's how it works. And we've, tri- we've yeah. tried to forget that or we've been forced to forget that mm. and coming back to that is really liberating. Yeah, mm. that's the one thing that's been, I guess, super grounding about doing the work that I've been doing and, like, researching certain things and being shared links to. These conversations have happened before, <laughs> like, in the 80s and you know they had no visibility and they had no like it, it was social media yeah social media mm. that's like digitizing the revolution it's huge because like now we're starting to see the conversations that have been had for generations but now it's like it's just it's exploded it's it's huge now and now like we're building movements and we're working in solidarity and that's where this thing of like community is so important to me is because like we got to have each other's backs Mm -hmm. like yeah like it's all well and fair to try and do this independently and individually as our like elders or ancestors have done before much to like you know it wasn't disappointing at all, but it would have been so. It would have taken so much of a toll, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's what is most important to me. It's like having people to bounce off and having people to keep you accountable to yourself as yeah. an individual and to your community. Yes. Mm. Mm. Accountability. Yeah, continue learning and sharing mm. and just like yeah. making it work mm-hmm. mm. and trying yeah. your best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From the Emerging Writers Festival, the Digital Writers Festival is back in 2017 and the program is live online now. Check it out at digitalwritersfestival.com and mark down the 24th of October till the 3rd of November in your diary to join the conversation. Our theme music is the magical Huntley's Please from their new EP, Songs in Your Name. You can find them on Facebook as Huntley Music. Thanks to Triple R Radio for giving us access to their studios. Community broadcasting is such an important space for emerging voices, and we're really grateful to be part of this community. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We acknowledge the First Nations, first storytellers and traditional owners of this land. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. 
and to the elders of the lands this podcast reaches. Alec, get the whole cough out. <laughs> <laughs> get it out. Please. Hold on. It's just lingering. It's just there. It ain't easy, I know. Mm.